0: this particular night, late 1942, I was alone in my Malholland study. My valet, Alexander, came in trembling like an autumn leaf. Two men are at the door, he said in French. They had shown him some official papers, also a policeman's badge. What do they want? They say they must see you. I laughed. What the hell are you shaking for? They're not here to see you. Go on. Let them in. In came two dicks. They were in plain clothes, but I could have told. Out on the street, a hundred feet from them, they were police. Plain clothes men usually look more like police than uniformed cops. You get to be able to make a fine distinction like that after you've had your share of contact with these necessary gentlemen. They were quite pleasant. Come on in, gentlemen. Have a seat, I said. Do they want some coffee or drinks, perhaps? They said yes. They'd have coffee. I didn't know then never to talk to two policemen if you were alone. I know it now. Two coppers will outweigh anything you have to say. After a minute or two, one of them said, Mr. Flynn, we have a very serious charge against you. What had I done? Well, your accuser is in Juvenile Hall, and we've come to take a statement from you. What's it all about? There was a pause. Then, statutory rape. My smile disappeared in a hurry. Rape? I didn't know what statutory rape meant. I didn't know the difference between statutory rape and regular rape. Rape to me meant picking up a chair and hitting some young lady over the head with it and having your wicked way with her. I hadn't done any of these things. I don't know what you're talking about. It concerns a Miss Betty Hansen, and we are holding you. I've never heard of her. Betty Hansen? Who is she? She's a teenager, and she's been picked up for vagrancy. Among her possessions, we found your phone number, and she has claimed that you had sexual intercourse with her on a certain date. Where was this supposed to have happened? We're not supposed to tell you, Mr. Flynn, but it happened at the house rented by your friends, Stephen Raphael, Bruce Cabot, and Freddie McAvoy. This was a big, rambling place with a tennis court owned by Colleen Moore of Silent Films. The sporting crowd foregathered there to bet on tennis matches, to swim, play cards, ping pong, poker, amusements, practically always instigated by Freddie. It was a bachelor's house, rented by famous and or moneyed bachelors, and it was a place I frequented. Usually it cost me a lot to go there. My friends took my money, like Jesse James robbed a bank. They were skillful card players, congenital hand hand clappers. In any case, there were always lovely girls around. But for the life of me, I couldn't recall any Betty Hanson with whom I was supposed to have gone to bed with whom I had raped. What am I supposed to do, I asked them. We'd like you to come down with us to Juvenile Hall and identify the girl. But I don't know any such girl. Well, look, they said. We just want to clear this misunderstanding up. It might be nothing. It might be something. We don't know. She says that you were all playing tennis. She seemed to know everybody at the house there. All your friends. She gave a detailed description of the act. That is an excerpt from Errol Flynn's bestseller, My Wicked, Wicked Ways. I bring this book up because it was published in 1943. And nothing has changed since 1943 when it comes to power, money, and sexual abuse. The only thing that's changed is who is allowed to abuse people and get away with it. There was a time when you couldn't get away with these things with impunity, and that time is long gone. Now we have, essentially, a rape machine called Hollywood, California. The show business mantra of power, sex, and money has never changed and it's been a part of the system from the get-go. The folks who run show business understand human psychology and use it against their audience and their talent to maintain control over the system. If you look at Errol Flynn's book and you open the page before the book begins, he and his editor chose to contrast two different pieces of information that tell you everything you need to know about the human journey that happens in the fame industry. I'll read the first one, which is written like a poem. Come, all you young men with your wicked, wicked ways, sow your wild oats in your younger days, so that we may be happy when we grow old. Ah, yes, happy and happy when we grow old, for the day's growing short, the night's coming on. Well, darling, just give me your arm and we'll joggle along. We'll joggle and joggle and joggle along. Then there's a space, and under that he chose to put passages from the Bible, Romans 12930, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness. Covetness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventions of evil things, disobedient to parents. Isaiah 57.21 There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Psalms 32.10 Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. So this is the journey. Show business provides a journey straight into hell. And it does so in a systematic effort. And what comes out of it is a multitude of ruined souls and defeated people who spend the rest of their life trying to put that back together. But those who broke through to the top... Even though there's gold and houses and parties and money, they suffer a worse fate, which is their spirits are imbued with the world, and their animal side is told that everything about it is beautiful and good and should be embraced. And then the police knock on your door, and they talk about this time you raped somebody or this time that you wronged someone. But a lot of these folks don't remember because at these parties, they're not just playing tennis, they're doing drugs. They're out of their mind. They're experiencing the human condition in its rawest form by putting substances in the body to create new perceptions and realities. This is a culture that swallows everyone whole every 20 to 30 years and regurgitates itself into something new that does the same exact thing. But it's been going on for so long that now it's reached a level of absurdity. Because performers that are selected and encouraged and backed by the system are all miniature Stiltskins. Think about it. They have the talent to spin gold for someone. And they spin that gold in the promise that they're going to get something else later, more of what they want. And they keep spinning the gold, but the system is never going to pay them. The system is never going to hand over its baby. No. Instead, if you remember the story, Rumpelstiltskin was so mad that he got screwed over in his part of the deal that he stomped his foot so hard on the ground that his body went all the way down into the ground except for his one leg and his torso. And in a fit of rage, to pull himself out, he pulled his free leg and he ended up ripping himself in half. That's what I believe is behind so many of the stars who claim to have these identities as transgender. They may be communicating something wrong, lying to themselves, but really they're jamming their foot in the ground and they're in the process of pulling themselves apart. I sometimes joke that the last trick that's available to the theatrical fame business, the shock business, is when somebody can finally reach into their own body and turn themselves inside out live on television. That seems to be the final trick, because we're not interested in who plays the piano well. We're not interested in who sings a song about beauty. We're not interested in things that are true. We've been turned into a tabloid society that is always looking for tabloid moments to shock. But all of those little shocks are no different than the system taking a rock, throwing it in the water, and making you look at the splash. You're done looking at it. Everyone's done looking at it, but it's the only thing to look at right now. Unless you take a little bit of time and you start to search and you find that there are people all over the world who create things of beauty, who create art that has real value to you, not just as an audience member who watches it, but as an audience member who's nourished by what you see. The big corporate world is not into nourishing its audience. It's into using its audience, raping its audience, and not even knowing its audience's name. It's very much like Arrow Flynn in his book. I don't know what happened, what we were just having a good time that's how these folks feel that's how they operate you are data to them you are not a human being if the business was asked to identify its victims it wouldn't even know what they look like because it's you and me it's everybody who's subjected to this ridiculous narrative of division through popular entertainment and it's a reason why The system has to be vacated entirely. I know I repeat some of the things in every episode. That's the point of my podcast. If you hear me repeat these things, thank you for listening more. But if this is the first time you're hearing me say it, you must vacate the popular system. It only survives on our reactions. Our reactions are the fuel of their distractions. We take away the reaction, then they're just starting fires that turn into little smoke bombs in their own face. We really need to do that, because at the same time that we do that, we're moving into this new creator economy that I've talked about in the past that is not going to end up with a house of connected, famous people like the one Errol Flynn went to, like the one Brian Singer and his crew established. Like the ones that have existed all throughout the business where people who have too much money, too much influence, too much fame, and too much time on their hands become spiders. And these houses are like spider webs that catch prey and they come in to be what? Close to the fame, close to the money, in with the popular crowd because those things for some reason matter to these young people. It's the promise of... If you come here and let me rape you now, maybe you'll be in my show later. And some people end up in the show, and some people don't. The majority don't. And it's the thing to remember is there's a lot of damaged goods. When you look at celebrities, many of them had to do something to get to where they are that they're not happy about, that they're not proud about. And so when you take that turn, when you do the deed, when you sleep with the person just to get ahead, or if you're a... You know, a male actor from a small town and good values, but you really want that fame, so you decided to give those blowjobs. And it happens, people. It happens. You decided to do what you needed to do. That creates inside that individual a bottomless pit of shame and guilt that must be paved over daily. And the way they pave it over is with your attention. Stop giving them fuel to pave over their guilt. Start holding the corporate entertainment business responsible for poisoning the culture. By poisoning the culture, they get to cultivate more of it. Talent is disposable. The system has always operated this way. But what really has happened is now you, the audience, are disposable. And they only want your attention for a certain amount of time, for a certain amount of products, then they'll move you to something else because you are like a SEAL that can be trained. Instead of being trained SEALs, let's SEAL their fate and reverse this entire process. Look at the media and all of its offerings as disposable as toilet paper. Go down your grocery store aisle and take a look at all the different toilet paper brands that fill up the shelves of that aisle. That's show business. That's what they sell. That's what they're giving us. Whether it's Charmin or some other brand, it's all toilet paper, and it's all for what? Shit. Because that's what they give us. So let's just be honest about it. Let's keep the product in its proper context in our minds, no matter how fancy the packaging looks. If it's not... Building you up as a community of American people who are all different but share the same American values, it's shit. If it's trying to divide you into different subcategories, it's for their own ability to sell more toilet paper to different subgroups to increase their profits. And now I'm going to tell you about my own experience with a very powerful director. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's really not something that I like to play the victim card with, because I'm not a victim. I did, however, have my career brought to a crashing halt because I went on a business trip after selling a pitch to Universal Pictures with director Brian Singer. Brian Singer, as you know, has been run through the woodshed many times, and he deserves it. From everything I've read and everything I've seen and everything I've encountered with him in person, I have no reason not to believe the majority of the stories that I read. Here's how my story goes. I'll just tell you the exciting part. I sell a great pitch about science fiction, about uh, mankind breaking the speed of light. Universal Pictures buys it. Brian Singer says, hey, that's going to be my next movie. I'm attached. I pulled a power play, which is something I didn't know was a power play, and I got him to show up to a meeting the next day to show his commitment to the movie. He was probably using this whole entire uh, project of mine to increase the amount of money he made from Superman Returns, but that's another story. Here's the part that sucks. is Universal Pictures and Danny DeVito's Jersey Films sent us to NASA on a business trip, a research trip, to watch a shuttle launch, to tour behind the scenes. And on the very first night at the end of the trip, I'm in my hotel room, and there's a knock at the door. It's Brian. He comes in. He wants to talk about the project. I'm watching the Yankees and the Red Sox play. I'm a Red Sox fan. And I'm thinking that this day is over, but the director wants to meet, so we talk. He comes in. He sits down in the chair in my hotel room, and I hand him a book about breaking the speed of light. And I said, this is a real good inspiration point for this book. It's just a scientific text. And uh, I think you might pick up something from it for what we're doing. So he sits in the chair and he's thumbing through the book. Out of nowhere, he says, directors love blowjobs. I knew what was going on. But I also was unaware that that was sexual harassment. So, being somebody who is not afraid of gay people and has many, many gay folks that I know in my life, I thought, okay, this guy is, he's not abusing his power with me, he's just flirting with me, and so I tried to divert his attention to something else. I said, hey, hey, I'm not, thats not my style, but if, if I were like that, I'd probably be more into Derek Jeter instead of you. I tried to make it funny. But it was actually dejection. And these guys can't handle dejection. And after a few minutes, I think he got frustrated and he left. And as he was walking down the hallway, back to his room, I remember thinking, what happened? Because it wasn't positive, whatever it was, but it was something weird. And when the trip was over and I went back to Los Angeles, I told the producer who sent me, Michael Schamberg, the producer, the partner of Danny DeVito, I told him about this incident and from that point on my career was over. I didn't do the deed and I didn't move forward and not only that but I told and when I told the higher ups I found out the pecking order has nothing to do with what's right and what's just but has everything to do with who can make me the most amount of money. And so there you see how the victim culture, how the use of everybody happens. It's a using business. And when I came across these wise words from St. John Paul, which is, the opposite of love is use, things started to finally make sense about what I experienced in Hollywood and what so many young people do and get caught so deeply in its trap that they actually can't escape and get perspective but it's the using business. It's the opposite of love industry. And there's some people who can actually participate in that and succeed and look themselves in the mirror the next day. But for the majority of people, they can't. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be the using business. It shouldn't be that a young person comes to me with something good and because I couldn't get that young person to take one for the team, which is what a very powerful producer said to me, I wish you had taken one for the team. Because I couldn't do that, everything comes to a screeching halt. That is, that's so wrong and so criminal on so many levels because of what it does to your fellow human being. So I don't want that to happen to anybody else. And like Rose McGowan, she goes out and she tries to advocate for an understanding so that you don't walk into the trap. Nobody raped me. I pushed back hard, but that's why I got pushed out. I didn't do the deed. I didn't sell my soul and therefore crumpled up and tossed. That is the price of admission, my friends. If you're going to make it on your own, if you're going to raise money and you're going to create entertainment and distribute it yourself and reap those rewards... That time is now. That time never existed as robust as it does right now. The only way to really break through and develop an audience before was by sucking the dick or letting someone fuck you and use you as a masturbation device. That's all it is. These people and their sophisticated packaging and their quick cuts and their slick music and their posters... It's all hiding this one little intersection, this one little exchange, which is, I get to use you for my physical pleasure, and if you're lucky, I'll let you still munch on candy bars from the craft service table. That's Hollywood, people. Stay away. Stay away for good.